Thank you for being here. We are getting now to the sort of uh, heart of the talks, like the previous uh, conversation sort of led us to. It's a pleasure to uh, host this uh, gallery talk because there is this constant sort of uh, idea and concern about labeling and uh, that conversation has sort of had also run through the conversations I mean the discussions that we've been having since yesterday and it's a general topic since the, so the idea of uh, emergence of uh, contemporary African art and uh, I wanted to have a two representatives in the uh, American space to would deal with contemporary African artists to give us an insight into their, into their work. Is, is it uh, the cultural specific dealing? Is it a different dealing? And uh, what, is, what does it take? to promote contemporary African artists to a, a market, the US market, which is quite, um, I like to try to use light words, but it's not always easy, but quite segregated in a certain way. We have to admit it. And uh, I'm very happy to have uh, Lisa Britton from Axis Gallery. I will not introduce her any further than someone who has been establishing and uh, Smooth will do it better. And uh, uh, Marianne Ibrahim from Mia Gallery in, uh, in Seattle, who will tell us about their business, about their passions, and about maybe also the contradictions that they may encounter in their work. Thank you. Thank you, Koyo. Um, so I will go on to introduce our two esteemed speakers, after which um, they'll have 10 minutes uh, per person to talk about their galleries, um, their work, their, pra their practice as, as gallerists. And then we begin to, to do, do the questions justice. So uh, Lisa Britton is South African born. She studied fine arts and art history and sociology specializing in graphics and photography. She was part of the, Renis uh, the resistance art movement, the anti-apartheid movement from uh, 1986 to 89, when she, and then she went into exile. Did you, you fled into exile or what? <laughs> she left South Africa, sorry, in Zimbabwe. In 1989, she moved to New York and became a producer on the award-winning weekly PBS news magazine, South Africa Now. She also directed numerous TV programs on African arts, music, and culture for American and South African broadcast. She won the award for best documentary film at the Cannes the Can, uh, Medium Festival for her fi film on South African music, including its global reach and American influence, titled We've Got the Power. She co-founded Access Gallery in New York City in 1997 and she continues to direct the gallery today together with her partner, curator Gary Van 
Vike. The New York Times critic Holland Cotter said that Axis Gallery made New York history by putting African art, old and new, on the map in Chelsea. So today she's going to talk about the gallery's evolution in the context of New York and America. Welcome, uh, Lisa. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Smooth. Well, let me, uh, let me quickly introduce Marion and then you go. Okay. Yeah. So Marion uh, Ibrahim Lenart is uh, a curator and entrepreneur. Uh, she found that the, the Marine Ibrahim Gallery, formerly the MIA uh, Gallery in Seattle in 2012. Uh, she's originally, originally from Somalia, and, uh, and she's lived on three different continents, Africa, Europe, and North America. Her interest is, an, is on emerging contemporary, uh, her interest in emerging contemporary art is heavily influenced by experiences and observations of the world around her. She has a background in media, communication, and advertising, and has worked in a variety of international sectors. In the early 2000s, she played a vital role in attaining uh, UNESCO recognition of Somali rock art and cave paintings as an important cultural monument. From, from France, she moved to Seattle and continues to pursue a career in the field of art and culture, and opened a gallery with a solo exhibition of uh, of the Malian photog uh, photographer, uh, Malik Sidibe, which I'm sure a lot of us know. And she has followed that with uh, numerous uh, exhibitions for artists of African descent, but also artists from elsewhere. You're welcome, Marin. So I'll hand it over to Lisa. So um, uh, myself and Gary van Veek started Access Gallery in 97, as you heard. Um, we, uh, we essentially started uh, the gallery in, uh, in Chelsea, uh, before Chelsea had many galleries at all. Uh, we, uh, the focus of the gallery initially was um, on historical material. And um, one of the things that we set out to do was to challenge ideas about how people viewed African art um, and to challenge the stereotypes of sculpture and, and figuration in Africa, and actually profile um, women's art, beadwork, lesser known um, art forms. Um, but because we came out of this contemporary art movement, uh, contemporary South African resistance movement, we were engaged in street art, and we came out of art school, we were also very connected to the artists in South Africa. So, as a logical extension, I guess I should... That was my first slide of the historical material. And um, um, as a result um, of that, we decided we would launch into representing many of the people that we knew as friends. It just uh, made logical sense. So, the first group show that we, uh, we presented was in 1999 we put out an open call for artists in South Africa to present postcard-sized works um, for a show called uh, Postcards from South Africa to take the temperature of the South African landscape um, just post-liberation, so in, in, in 99. And um, some of the people, uh, it, it was a show of about 175 works and um, by 80 artists, and uh, some of whom have gone on 
to become really prominent. Uh, Mustafa Maluka on the left and Senzeni Marasella on the right. Um, and uh, in fact, you know, it was, it was a show that gave a very broad perspective on contemporary art and, uh, at the time. And um, later that year, in fact, um, Harlan Cotter said at the time that he would have liked a more specific show really to focus on contemporary African art that was quite broad. And there was really a need at that time for that. But we, having mounted this very you know, uh, new show, because, because of the boycotts, people didn't really know a lot about South African art. Um, and we fully supported those boycotts. But really our mission was to begin to edu educate uh, American audiences about specifically South African art, because that was um, our, our um, area, um, and, and museums to begin to include this material in their own collections. And um, late that year, the Museum for African Art mounted the first um, uh, focused exhibition called Liberated Voices on uh, South African art. And um, so we always considered ourselves a kind of supplement, something that would trigger the next moment. We liked to um, challenge notions and, 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 and present things somewhat ahead, ahead of the curve. So um, artists that we began to represent uh, were people like, sorry, Sue Williamson, um, whose work you see above uh, dealt with uh, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. And um, it's called Can't Forget, Can't Remember. And it's currently at, in the National Museum for African Art. And she uses text and audio and video to uh, inter interrogate that space of, of reconciliation. Um, and Sue, you know, literally wrote the book on resistance art. Um, in South Africa, uh, which also profiled, oh no, sorry, I'm not doing this very well, profiled some of the guerrilla art that we were engaged with, which was really essentially just going, putting billboards up in the streets of Johannesburg, covering the violence, because at that time, um, it, w it became illegal um, under the state of emergency to publish anything in the newspapers that represented the violence that was going on in the townships. So um, the government banned any kind of imagery. And then the newspapers, the more left-wing newspapers, The Guardian, uh, etc., they, um, the Weekly Mail and Guardian, they um, started to print just white spaces where everything was redacted to show what had, uh, what had been censored. And then the government actually banned the white spaces. So um, we decided we would fill those white spaces with imagery replicating violence. And so we did numerous pro projects, you know, late at night, um, uh, profiling that violence. And yeah, and then uh, uh, some of the other people that we represented at the time, William Kentridge, uh, we showed Kentridge before people even knew who he was <laughs> in New York. You know, the New York, um, the New York audiences didn't know who William was and, and, and really was, I guess, at the beginning of his, his exposure. Um, also, uh, Rodzani, Namasatoni. Why am I having such trouble? Okay. Okay, Rodzani, Namasatoni. 
and Sam Nechlingetwa were, were two other artists that we worked with at the time. Um, you can move on, smooth. Um, and then in 2001, uh, we mounted a solo show for Bernie Searle. Um, it was just actually after the 2001 uh, Venice Biennale, where she was featured in the show Authentic Eccentric, uh, which was actually Africa's, that was, it was curated by Salah Hassan and Olo Guibe, and it was actually really Africa's first collateral intervention into Venice. So um, she was a part of that, she was a part of that, and so we mounted this solo show in Axis in September. And the opening date for the show um, was actually September 11th. Um, and uh, actually, can go you can go back one, okay. yeah, if you want. So Bernie also, just, just to say, uh, uh, Bernie at the time was co very concerned with issues of personal identity, the body, um, and, 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 and looking at her roots. So she used spices. Um, in this installation called Straces to trace her body and literally trace her family history back to Mauritius as associated with the, 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 trade, the trade routes. Okay, Smoothie can go on now. So September 11th hit in New York and um, that was our opening date. And um, it, was, um, it was an intense time. Um, and Bernie, at the time, we, we did this installation of hers called Still, where she essentially covers herself in flour and she gets engaged with the role of bread making. But in the context of 9-11, of people actually did come, though we had cancelled the actual opening because of the mayhem in New York, people still came and, we, and we were, people who were supporters of the gallery came to the gallery and we, you know, lit candles and made it uh, a space for people to come into. It was very interesting to see how a work that had a very different meaning got read in a very different way because suddenly the flower got read as ash and um, it took on a, a completely different significance because of the, the date that it was exhibited and also because of the, the content, the context. Um, then other rather emotional shows that we did. This one was called uh, Resistance Art in South Africa, and it covered uh, the period from uh, the, the, the 1976 riots with uh, Simon Zima's um, uh, image on the left, and we had uh, 24 photographers in the show and about 65 images. And um, the exhibition... Uh, uh, again, Holland said that it was a necessary complement to Aqui's short century show that was actually happening at PS1 at the same time. And, um, and then a, a decade later, Enuzo actually mounted his exhibition, um, uh, The Rise and Fall of Apartheid, which revisited some of the material that we had profiled uh, at that time. Uh, and actually, then we, this is just, these are just some images. That's the iconic Weinberg shot of Mandela voting in Natal and TJ Lemon. With Zuma behind, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and then um, 
Let's see where we're at here. Okay, so we also, you know, uh, were interested in challenging uh, ideas and 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 contributing to the discourse in New York to to challenge the way people read things. So uh, there was a lot of debate about female genital mutilation in Africa. So we decided to mount a show on male circumcision and uh, to enter the debates that occurred uh, around those ideas. And uh, we mounted this exhibition um, that included the work of Piet Pinar, who was an Afrikaans man, artist, who decided to publicly have a circumcision in a gallery space in Cape Town and um, was severely critiqued at the time by other people, uh, specifically Kosa-speaking artists, um, because they felt that it, it, it became an, a, a debate, a, a very large debate at the time. And so what we did is we, we uh, juxtaposed uh, Tembi Goniwe's work, if you can just sort of go back one smooth, uh, Tembi Goniwe's work, because uh, Tembi is an academic, an artist, and a critic, and he severely criticized Piet Pinar for, you know, being insensitive to closer traditions of circumcision. So we put them together and it just really created a dialogue and also, you know, raised questions in, a, in an American context about circumcision because in the, context of, in the context of America, many circumcision occurs quite frequently. So um, that, those were ways of bringing uh, these debates to the mind's eye of people in, in American audiences. And uh, another two artists we had on the show were Kobit Mashile and uh, Pro Sabopa. Um, Pro Sabopa worked into Tkosa blankets um, and, and uh, with charcoal. And uh, Kobit Mashila actually speak, spoke about his work impacting him um, since he had had his Ever since he had had his circumcision, he found the work that he made cathartic. So this is some of the work that he produced in, in that regard. Excuse me. And then, um, I guess in 2004, about the time of the Republican convention under Giuliani uh, in New York, which actually led to demonstrations and arrests in Manhattan, Axis showed Clinton Fain. He's an, an activist artist from uh, San Francisco, from South, originally from South Africa. And he, his work had suffered a lot of censorship in the US. So he actually sued the Attorney General um, of the US, challenging their uh, Communications Decency Act. And he went all the way to the Supreme Court and actually won. Uh, uh, so he scored those uh, First Amendment rights. And then, you know, one of our things was always also an emphasis for us was to profile women artists as well. So in 2006, we staged uh, the solo debuts for uh, Joe Smale, who did a project uh, collaborating with William Kentridge and Liddell Moe. Um, and uh, Liddell's, Liddell did these very large scale um, concrete installations in the space. And then in 2007, the lease on our, on our gallery space uh, had come to an end. And um, it gave us a chance to sort of rethink uh, our program. And by that point, we really felt that we had accomplished this mission of 
putting South, South African art on the map uh, in New York. And there were other commercial galleries that had taken up South African artists. And so um, we decided that um, we, would, we would no longer exclusively show South African artists and expanded beyond both Manhattan, moved out of our space in Manhattan and beyond South Africa. So then began to um, include artists from other parts of the world, as well, other parts of Africa too, or artists affiliated with Africa more broadly. So, and so as the, uh, um, I think you have to go back no, one. Okay, okay. So then as the Manhattan uh, art world rebounded somewhat in um, 2008, we opened a space on Dobbin Street in Brooklyn and um, we did a solo show of Graham Williams's photography, uh, specifically his Edge of Town series. And then on Dobbin Street, we also formed a not-for-profit organization that, uh, called Elma and Dobbin that uh, encourages intercontinental exchanges and residencies between Africa, um, the US, and Eastern Europe. Um, and so brought this broadened our engagement um, with uh, the world, really. Um, and we did numerous have done residencies through Alma for Senzeni Maricela, Willem Boschoff, Hervé Yumbi, etc. And so having opened up this new method of uh, exhibiting, we uh, uh, rented a storefront space in downtown Newark, which felt to us to be more interesting and cutting edge than Chelsea. It's, uh, um, if any of you, I'm sure some of you have uh, been there uh, to, to that part of town, but it's also sort of uh, had a rejuvenation uh, occurring in the last uh, few years. And we mounted a solo show of Senzeni Maricela's work. Um, and then uh, later, uh, Arve Yumbi from Cameroon. Uh, we did this installation of his uh, entitled uh, uh, Totems to Haunt My Dreams. And um, so really, you know, leasing temporary spaces uh, for exhibitions and participating in fairs allows us to focus on our mission and, and uh, various projects. And today, um, the gallery, you know, a gallery can be open for business 24-7 on the internet and globally. So um, this increasing globalization and Africa's increasing um, uh, integration has uh, dissolved the separation of Africa, I, I think. And um, it's not, and not only as an art category. I think we're, we're moving beyond this idea of, you know, a, an identifiable Africa. Um, so for this fair, uh, we curated a show titled Crossings around the themes of crossovers, uh, intersections and boundaries, and um, done. I'm almost done, there's okay. two more slides. <laughs> And it's uh, also linked to our current consciousness of uh, these global confluences. So that's it. You, 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 you can go downstairs and have a look at the work of Baloji, Mohanlal, and Eke. Thank you very much, Lisa. Over to you, Marion. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Can you hear me? OK. Um, I'll be very short because my history is a little shorter than Lisa. 
Um, I started the gallery um, in 2012, um, called it MIA Gallery, uh, which was a little bit confusing as um, it's really my name, Marianne Ibrahim Abdi. And um, I was sort of a, um, we started my husband and I as collectors. So we were buying art and it was very difficult for me to find what I was sort of looking for, an alternative images of Africa. Um, so I sort of uh, decided to create the space so that I'm able to see the images that I have not been shown to. So, um, so I started um, my gallery in a, in a very provincial city, Seattle, where the art scene is extremely local and for certain part unexistent. Um, so here I have prepared a series of um, images. I will let you know when oh, to, okay, but okay. we can start with this beautiful oh. photo of Fabrice Montero. Um, and so being in a, in a, in a very, uh, a city that is not on the map uh, on art um, in general, although it has a lot of um, collectors, um, I was wondering what would be a good strategy to, to sort of make an entrance to, to the art world. Um, so I started with Malik City Bay, and immediately it was a, sort of a, a, um, a buzz locally, as they would not have expected a very well-known photographer to be showing in Seattle. Um, so I started with a solo show of Malik City Bay, and then I carried on with artists for who the gallery was their sort of a first exhibitions. Um, so I continued with um, different um, artists, um, Soli Cisse, uh, Bruce Clark, um, Fabrice Montero, and other um, African-based um, African um, uh, or from the diaspora. But I was really, um, I didn't want to create um, a space where you could only find African artists because it wouldn't have been extremely um, fair uh, for my artists to be only to be only um, to, to only address to an audience who was only interested in contemporary African art. So I expanded from the first year to other um, countries. Um, I have signed an, um, um, a contract um, with. Um, a young Iranian artist, Negar Farajani. Then it was uh, working with another uh, Dutch photographer, uh, British, and it went on, Brazilian, Japanese, because I wanted to diversify and create a multicultural space. You, ca you can show. And so here I have created a series, you probably know the Sapeur um, from Seattle. It was a sort of a rebellious, I was, I was into a re rebellious move. Uh, sort of a mood because Seattle is known for being one of the less well-dressed city uh, in America. So, so I did a whole show of uh, the Sapeur from Dundee, from uh, Brazzaville. Uh, so each time I was doing an exhibition, it was in reaction to what Seattle was not exposed to. And um, you can go, I will go artist by artist before. So, 
So this is a photograph from Fabrice Montero where I have done a show called um, The Gorean Summer. Um, sort of a showing how joyful um, life can be in Africa. As I was uh, raised also in Africa, in Somalia, um, my childhood looked more like this than what is being shown on TV right now, although the situation in Somalia is a, is a particular case. But I wanted to show to the audience and, and, and also to my uh, African contemporaries that, you know, this is um, our, um, so not past, but this is our uh, lifestyle. You can. Uh, this is a photograph of um, Malik Sidibe as well. Uh, you can continue, I was doing just a... And this is the work of a really interesting photographer that generally take a lot of a space when I do art fairs, Maimouna Geresi. This year, she has a, a little space as I have done a show at the Volta Fair. So Maimouna Geresi is a really interesting photographer, sculpture and um, a video um, installation artist. She is um, Italian-born, converted to Sufism, and uh, is of Senegalese um, uh, nationality. Uh, Maimouna's work is about empowering women's spirituality and also um, portraying African Sufism. So here is um, uh, uh, a, a diptych where she's confronting two um, characters, actually it's a brother and a sister, where there's a background of the African map with a cup where they're trying to have a piece of Africa. You can continue. Um, this is a show that I have done, which was, I think, one of the, the most interesting show I, I have done as a sort of a group. I've been only dedicating doing solo exhibitions. So I have done a sh an exhibition called um, Power um, in um, Costumes. Uh, so I juxtaposed two artists, Fabrice Montero and Jim Norton. Jim Norton, this is, uh, this is a photograph from the Herreros. And uh, for those who uh, probably don't know the Herreros, they, were, um, they, they, they are a tribe that has been almost exterminated by the Germans. And each time a Herrero will um, kill a German person, he will wear their costume, and so the woman, they would wear the German missionary dressing. And I juxtaposed that with a signar from Senegal to show in, in, a, in a situation of war how the woman react to the occupant and the, domi and the dominator. So you can continue. And these are the signar who were um, actually the lawful wives of the colonizers and were extremely um, um, uh, powerful as they had businesses, and also were celebrated for their beauty and man-like man attitude. So it, that was really, for me, uh, maybe as a woman, I was interested in exploring in, a, in the role of the woman in, in a position of um, occupation. I'm sorry, did you say man-like Yes. Um, you can go for the next one. And this, before. And this is a series of photos that was really touching for me where, from a Sophie Knife where she um, went across different countries portraying the children's dream and what they aspire to become. And we have here a young boy that has really touched me where he wanted to be a um, journalist and not having the costume of the journalist draw himself the costume and took the attitude of, uh, of a journalist. And that, that show... Um, 
I juxtaposed with the, with, with, with the dreams of the children from Greenland, two extreme um, environment, environmental, um, um, let's say, um, in very extreme environments where one is extremely cold and the other one is um, almost a desert. Um, so this series was also interesting as I did a show um, with the work of uh, Justin Dinwall um, in collaboration with a model, um, uh, name is um, Tando, Tando Ando. Uh, and what I, would, I really liked about this exhibition um, was everybody in Seattle was telling me, oh, you only show African people. You only show black people. So I sort of um, told them, no, for the Black History Month, I promise I will show you white people. And they were very, very um, surprised. And I said, yeah, I swear, I'm not gonna release any of the press. First of February, you will have only white people. And it was this beautiful woman where I felt in, in stage in different ways um, where she incarnate, incarnated the, the Madonna uh, and, and knowing what's happening also for most of the albino uh, community. I wanted to sort of show support in terms of, you know, when we talk about black history, we also forget about other minorities that also are being segregated. Um, so that was my um, response to a lot of questions um, that has, I have been asked as a gallery owner. This is a recent um, artist that I'm, I could say, um, in love with. <laughs> His name is Jim Shushu. Um, he's in the audience and he's probably hiding himself. Uh, Jim Shushu is a, is, a, is a filmmaker and he has uh, done recently a movie, uh, documentary, that you, a short, short movie that you have heard of maybe stories of our lives. And it's about um, the stories of, um, three stories of the LGBT community in Nairobi, which is, does, is not in a, position, in a very uh, easy uh, position, as we know what, some, what is happening in Nairobi and Uganda. And, um, and his photographs have touched me because, because this series is called Pagans, and it's interested in exploring pre-Islamic and pre-Christian pre religions and creating a form of um, mythologies and black mythologies and showing what, what has brought us to, to create so much discourse between all these religions that has been, in a way, imported to Africa. And you can see some of his images uh, at my booth. And, you can, and this is the work of Fabrice Montero. I mean, you probably think that I showed too many of Fabrice. Um, Fabrice has done this series called Prophecies and in collaboration with a fashion designer, um, uh, Jay Gall. And this is a series where he's going through environmental issues and that is also another um, subject that, really, um, that is really important because we, Africa is very much absent of the discussions on environmental issues. We're so much dealing with them in, you know, in, the, in social, economic um, uh, issue, but this is a series where Fabrice and, and, a, and a designer has started to, to, to create in order to bring some more sensi sensibility. And ideally, um, he did this series in order to create a stories for the children. So the, the education starts in, 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 
from, from an early age so that people are more and more aware and start to take to care for um, their own um, environment and habitat. And you can go. Yes, and we have the work of Solicice, some collages. Um, I'm extremely, I mean, I'm sort of a specialized on photography, but this is one uh, exception where I'm showing a painter and you can continue. Uh, yes, this is the work of uh, an interesting man, um, Jean-Claude Moschetti. You will see some of his images. Jean-Claude has been wor working in Africa for the past 20 years. And uh, he, was photo he was mostly a uh, um, photographer, documentary photographer, but that was not enough for him. So he decided to get initiated um, to the Egungun. Uh, the Egungun are a group, a community, um, religious community based in Benin and, and Nigeria. And through his immersion, he could have access to costumes, was able to, have, to open a little window uh, in order to um, show the, the richness of the costumes um, and, and staging them um, in, a, in a very architectural way. This is the work of Maimuna Garesi, as, um, again, who is also portraying women spirituality. And then it's finished. It's almost done with there. Same here. I'm very much into women and spirituality. This is another portrait from Fabrice Montero. Again, this is another artist, Scarlet Cotton, uh, showing uh, some um, vestige from the um, uh, uh, Egyptian culture, uh, pharaoh culture, and and then... And, um, yeah, go on. Uh, this is an interesting also uh, artist, Kimiko Yoshida, Japanese, who sort of uh, recreated herself into uh, a, a Kiyuku bride uh, from Kenya. So I sort of mix all, I have different from different backgrounds and sort of a staging um, uh, exhibition where there's a lot of hybridity and where Africa is everywhere or African notion culture. Fabrice again, um, woman, and this is a very powerful images from Fabrice where he recreated the conditions of slavery based on the book of the Code Noir where he was able to get the, the layout and the design where he had to struggle with institutions such as the Musée de Quai and uh, the, the, the um, libraries in France to be able to get them uh, the design so that he's able to recreate and recreate the conditions of, um, of slavery. That was in Benin. This is the work of Ayanna Jackson that you will see. Ayanna Jackson is African-American and sort of started to work in uh, Johannesburg. She's also in here. Um, has been portraying herself into a sort of a anthropological survey of her body. Um, and uh, there's also a whole series that she did related to slavery. And um, Ruby is also, <laughs> it's short. <laughs> uh, Ruby uh, Onyenyeshi Amanze is a Nigerian artist, um, a drawer. You will see some of her images, of her drawings um, uh, at the booth. And then you can go fast on those. Uh, yeah, Malik Sidibe, as you probably know. And then we're finishing with a kick with Bedouin Mwanda, a separate series. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to ask um, 
a two or three prong question so that we sort of fast forward things. Um, I mean, it's interesting to look at all the images and uh, it shows a diversity of um, um, media, of course, and understanding of, um, of uh, social, the social imagination in the context of uh, Africa in relation to the rest of the world. But I'm going to return to a question that they post to, uh, at South Africa posed to you, and I think you, you can also answer the same question. Um, the question was, um, is there anything like African art? So I'm, I'm reposing that question to you, uh, sort of um, to get us uh, started. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I would say no, because all the, um, the, I mean, how could we, the, the, the images that I have shown, how could we say that this is one image? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't add the heavy metal guys from Botswana. Uh, but th there are so many images and I don't find myself in one. Um, being also from the outside and seeing how the society and how the technology are influencing our lifestyle, I, I cannot belong, I cannot feel that there is only one type of African art. Yeah, I'd, I'd say Africa is full of multiple identities and much like the rest of the world, really. But I mean, again, yeah, true, of course, but uh, there's always um, certain value. I mean, they, they, there's certain values attached to the works of African artists, you know, and, and I wonder, I mean, I mean, of course, I wonder what, how you negotiate those values and how you also make, um, insist on the disavowal of the, of the label African, you know, uh, but there, the, the artwork uh, insists on a certain value uh, attached to the understanding, the way African artists, um, works by artists of African descent or works of artists of Africa are understood. So how do you negotiate that fault line between uh, the values, the sort of um, uh, contrived, if you will, or specific values attached to the understanding of uh, the works of, 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 of artists from Africa, and also the fact that one wants to disavow um, Africa as a sort of a, as a qualifying uh, label mm -hmm. attached to those artists. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think that um, it's changed over time as well a lot because I think that um, there, was, there was a time when, you know, it made sense to represent artists from Africa before the, 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 there was really much understanding of contemporary African art. So there was a time where it was relevant. But I do feel that we're beyond that now. Uh, I feel that, um, that um, artists are informed by the environment, obviously. But I don't think that um, artists from Africa are any you know, more or less informed by the environment than artists in America. And I, I don't know that there's a common value for all of Africa. I think that it's, 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 it's a personal value that certain artists attach. I mean, I know that certainly when we were representing South African artists, many of our contemporary artists didn't like to be pigeonholed as such. You know, it's, it's definitely, and, and that was understandable. But for American audiences who knew very little about what that was, it, it, it was kind of a process, in a way, of educating your audience to think beyond those ideas, to think beyond those categorizations, and to move beyond those ideas, you know, of, of African value. What is an African value, really? 
It's not really African value, but there's a certain kind of value. I mean, there's a certain values attached to, I mean, if you ask me, um, for example, I'm called the African curator, you know, for example, you know, or the curator of African arts. Well, those um, qualifiers shouldn't really exist anymore, <laughs> okay. as far as I'm concerned. But yeah. I mean, those qualifiers exist because they serve a purpose. Yes. And I wonder how galleries, I mean, your gallery, yeah. your gallery, negotiate the purpose those labels serve. That's really my question, mm -hmm. given the context in which... Um, your gallery exists, you know. Well, I'm, I'm very lucky because I'm African and dealing with African art, so it's all mixing, you know. Um, there is, um, I'm, I'm very proud to, 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 to call my artists African. I'm African and that's what they are, as I call the other ones European, Brazilian and so on. But I find sometimes um, the word um, uh, disturbing because uh, it is associated with, you know, um, different forms of art. When we talk about contemporary art, uh, and then we, we use the label African contemporary art, every, everyone sort of have a, a sort of a, a, a connection to either craft or uh, um, some traditional um, arts as well. So the, the contemporary, this is why in my position, in my gallery, it is interesting to mix all the artists and just to have like, okay, they're all contemporary artists. One is from Africa, one is from there. And um, I'm, const I'm constantly asked um, uh, directly because I'm African that obviously I know African, uh, I know African, I know African arts because I am African. Uh, a lot of things are very new to me and I rely on curators. And I think that the, the work of um, the curators are also there to impose uh, uh, a new label, uh, because we are at the end um, business and trying to um, uh, create um, uh, uh, a commercial value for the artists to be to be to continue to live from their work, and uh, and also continue continue to 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 progress. And um, I'm very happy today to see that there are more and more of, um, African collectors. Uh, buying the, you know, uh, from African artists, and that the relation is not going necessarily uh, from, you know, um, south to north, but south to south, and um, and I and I and I really uh, feel extremely optimistic in in the future of uh, those artists being able to uh, create their own label, uh, that the one that they have been dictated. You want to say something? Or? Yeah, I, I feel the same. I mean, I'm also an African, and so uh, whatever I do is, in a way, a, a kind of insider perspective. Um, and I, I come out of that world, and so it feels like a world that I have some understanding of. And, I'm, and, and it is kind of specific, because Africa is a big, a big place. Um, and I'm also proud to represent art from the region, you know, it's something that I think deserved exposure. I wouldn't have had the mission that uh, we wouldn't have had the mission we had in our gallery. Um, I, I think it, you know, it's it, it's 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 hard to negotiate in a way um, reinforcing the f the framework without pigeonholing it, and you can always fall between those two stools. But I don't think that we should be limited by those frameworks. I think we have to, you know be able to think outside of it and within it, really. So I guess my next question will be, I mean, what, uh, what were the, um, the initial challenges for you 
as well as ongoing challenges in negotiating those pigeonholes and framework uh, as a gallerist, you know? Well, I mean, in, in the New York art world, you know, mm. Africa is just another ethnicity in a way. Um, mm -hmm. As we all know, it's a, it's a melting pot. So mm. it, it, it was um, a focus for us because mm. that was our area of, of specialization and mm. expertise. Mm. But at the same time, people could walk down the road and go and visit a gallery specialized in in, in Asian, Japanese, Japanese art or Chinese or, or, mm. or not, you know, just broadly contemporary American art. Mm. Or, so it was just another, another focus, another space. Mm. Um, and our idea was to bring that space to American audiences and mm. to get that work into American institutions mm. so that the public was exposed to it, mm. really. Um, that, mm. and, and, and that's an ongoing challenge, but it has changed enormously in the 18 years that I have been in this world it's 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 really it's it's opened up so enormously and people are far more educated mm. about Africa and contemporary art and mm. all of these things than they were 18 mm. years ago but then I mean one of the things you want to respond to that um, well my next question goes to you actually I mean um, you said to me no no it goes to, to Marian. yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. you said um, I mean Japanese art, uh, there are other kind, kinds of ethnic art, but what is quite interesting in the ways um, ethnicity is constructed around um, uh, contemporary art is you, you, you have African art, you don't have say, Nigerian art, you don't, you don't I mean, mm -hmm. having a specific uh, purchase in, in the international art system, um, you have the, con the, the entire continent as one entity represented as African art. But then you mentioned Japanese art, you mentioned Ch Chinese art, Indian art. And I wonder how, how as gallerists, you, you would marry, you would want to engage with that conundrum. Um, yeah, uh, you, you're completely right. Mm. We always talk about, but we also say uh, the Middle East, mm. we are still Islamic. Mm. Um, so, um, I guess um, there is not uh, today, uh, we, we, we talk about Nigerian artists and so on, but mm. to the public, it's all one um, Africa. And even Africa stops because mm. they have like the Maghreb artist mm. and the South Africans. This is mm. South African and there's the rest of Africa. Mm. Um, so um, it's, it's really a question of education. I'm doing that almost 24 hours a day in Seattle. So New York is a little bit closer to, to Africa, but my Seattle is, they have a telescope <laughs> that is overlooking New York, overlooking uh, Africa. Mm. Um, so I tend to um, break with that sort of a um, language mm. and, um, and, and mostly focus on, okay, mm. Fabrice, where is he? Should I, should, Fabrice Montero, should I say that he, where he's from, mm. where he works? Mm. Um, the, the other artist, uh, Maimuna Geresi, mm. um, even though she's born Italian, she will tell the world she's Senegalese. Okay. So some, sometimes it's interesting the interaction that collectors or public have mm. with me mm. in relation with my artists, mm. where they cannot sort of understand why she's, she can be Senegalese and why I can be French. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I, I 
I, I try to really um, not raise all of these questions, but really, really focus on, on um, serving the voices of the artists mm. and making sure that any uh, sort of a prejudgment that every person could have, I kind of account for that. And the work of uh, working with curators and museums mm. have helped me a lot mm. in, in, in making uh, and in expanding myself and also making sure that my artists are um, really um, valued for, for the work than uh, um, the label, than coming from, you know, sort of uh, Africa. I'm going to ask one last question, then I'll throw it to the audience. Um, so it was the art historian, uh, Chika Okekagul, uh, who said um, African artists uh, have, have come to the dinner table, uh, invited or not, you know. This is to say that uh, there's, a, there's sort of a, a hype about uh, uh, contemporary African art. And my question is, it really is, is there really a hype? Uh, uh, as galleries, do you think there's really a hype about contemporary African art? Don't believe the hype. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think that it has grown enormously. Mm. The, the, Af the contem you talk about contemporary mm. African. Mm. I think it has. I think it is is a growing. Uh, it's a it's a growing market, and mm. um, you know uh, it's it it has. It's expanded. Mm. Uh, whether it's a hype, I'm mm. I'm not sure. But mm. it's it's definitely growing, and mm. um, it's it's become much broader. Mm than it ever was, mm. um, and it's, um, it's expanding. I mean, you know, the, the whole sort of, um, the focus on dust capital mm. and our current uh, mm. Venice Biennale, I mean, mm. we're talking about the ownership of means of production, right? Mm. About mm. class, about mm. those issues, and mm. so Africans have taken that ownership, and they're doing it, and it's, it's expanding, and mm. so I think that's a good thing. Mm. Marian? I would say it's a hype. Okay. <laughs> and we have to make it as a hype. We are not have something that will go up and then fall. Um, and this is where I'm really invested in um, sort of a mission where as an African person, I have to keep going and go through that. Um, because otherwise we will be, you know, defined. Um, so I think it, it is... Um, uh, it is growing, it's expanding, and what's happening in Venice, it's also um, propelling uh, uh, the African, um, Afro or African diaspora, African-American artists, because there's also the African-American that has also been very much more established here and, and, and okay, uh, beautifully connected, um, the, the African with the African-American. But I think we have to make it a hype. It has the, 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 the magazines, they have to be fairs, mm. general fairs, where you rarely see those mainstream fairs. You rarely see galleries uh, who are either from Africa or showing mm. um, a lot of African, I'm not talking about one, but more African artists. Mm. Um, so we have to be, you know, we have to expand, we have to be everywhere, we have to be all over the place. Okay. So it's, it's safe to say that. Um both galleries would benefit from Oakley's of Venice Biennial. I mean, yeah, <laughs> I'll turn yeah, it to the audience. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, questions for, from the audience? Earlier in the um, 
conversation you mentioned that a gallery sort of has the ability to open a space for a political identity to be brought to the public and kind of reimagine the way we conceive it. Would you say that the burden of the gallery in transacting these political identity ends in just presenting this, or does the gallery have an additional burden when you're working exclusively with an identity? You mean, do you have a, a burden of representing Africa broad, more broadly than representing the artists that you are working with? Yes. Well, um, I think it depends on the work that you're representing, really. You know, I, I think that, for example, with an artist like Sami Baloji, his, his work is so connected to Katanga and to the DRC that you can't, you can't fully represent him without representing the context, actually. So I think it's, it's both. You have to you know, tap into the artist and the work and give a broader understanding to people so they have insight, perhaps. Or, um, uh, so yes, I, d I think you do have a, a, a broader responsibility than simply just you know, reading it through, through the artist. But you know, the, the role of, of, of a gallerist is also to take it a step further to to curate, to, to, to um, encourage these dialogues, to have serious ideas, um, and to push, the, to push the conversation further, I think, than simply just representing artists. You know, it gives it a context, I think. It's the life of the mind. Um, that's what I do all the time. <laughs> so um, I, I do have to constantly, I mean, be, beside the beauty of the work and the, and the meaning behind, have to sort of uh, engage um, with the public of um, different issues. Um, so for me, it's, it's, it's really important that they get the right message of the, of the art uh, that I'm showing. But it's, it's not like I'm a, you know, sort of a humanitarian organization. It's the work has a, aesthetic, has depth, and so for me, it's in, it, every single time I have to also be um, ready to uh, receive uh, these remarks and observation and educate and explain them um, what this work stand and what is the context. Uh, thank you both, it was very interesting. Um, this question is directed at Marianne in particular. Given that you're I mean, I'm just saying, re relatively young, um, a woman and of African descent, and we don't see many gallerists like you, and I think it's admirable that you've done what you've done. How would you sum up the challenges that you face, both commercially and creatively, having you know, set up a few years ago, quite recently? I'm very curious to learn about that, if you don't mind sharing some thoughts with us. It was, it was a, a long... Uh a long journey and short and intense. Um, so I, um, I sort of had a ideas uh, where I wanted to go, um, and the fact that I didn't want to be sort of a labeled only African uh, art gallery. I started, I started to um, focus on institutions. Um, started to work with curators. Uh, from museums and having a sort of, a, let's say, um, a validation among them. And gradually, as um, they have been um, showing a lot of support, they um, 
had me reach out. They had me translate uh, what I was uh, trying to do as a commercial gallery. But beside that, I will say that um, the, the, the aesthetic of the artists that I have been presenting were actually becoming a hype. So I got extremely privileged to have been working and to still be working with artists that have uh, uh, received um, uh, great press, uh, prizes. Um, today I'm working with numerous institutions, uh, the Seattle Art Museum, the LACMA, the Minneapolis Institute of Art, because I am trying to present um, work from um, the contemporary African art uh, that they wouldn't normally find in, the, in, in, in America as easier as they would find in other places. So I would say being remote and being in my provincial city uh, was the greatest advantage for um, the, 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 the way the gallery has been uh, um, uh, working. Thank you. Um, well, I just want to say something about the word hype, <laughs> if I can. Okay, I, I don't, I don't like that word because I think it kind of undermines the seriousness of the discourse. You know, it makes it seem like it's trivial that there's a, a focus that is occurring, and hype is kind of something that rises and falls. And I kind of hope that that's not where we're at, really. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I, I it, it, it was a question, you know. Yeah. So I was, so I was expecting you, um, was expecting to elicit a response. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, we can we just take one more question from the audience? He's been raising his hand. <laughs> <laughs> just one more question. Just one more question, and that'll be it. No, th there is a next conversation <laughs> that will pick up some of the uh, the uh, uh, topics that are being raised here. And uh, uh, I think that we, we have to, I mean, I really invite you to stay for this book launch because we have the pleasure to, uh, to uh, introduce that catalog and two of the artists that participated to that in this uh, exhibition are here. And all these questions of, uh, you know, the labeling, the, the hyping will also be taken into, into that conversation. I mean, but yes. Well, on that note, um Thank you, and thank you. Okay. <laughs>